Welcome to Mission in 5, the podcast where we ask a handful of questions to ministry practitioners to learn more about who they are and where they see God moving in their community. I am your host, Greg Manuel. And every week, through my work with the Churches Helping Churches, ABC Nebraska, my ongoing writing projects, and serving as a faculty mentor to seminary students, I get to partner with Christian leaders, entrepreneurs, missionaries, and ministers of the church in a variety of contexts. I am always amazed at the many and varied ways that God works in our individual communities and when multiple churches network together for mission and ministry. So, that's the purpose of this podcast, to share the stories of people participating in God's mission in Nebraska, across the country, and around the world. This season, we are meeting with our friends and global servants with international ministries. My hope is that we learn how we can partner with them by supporting their ministry efforts around the world, but also how we can utilize their gifts and talents as partners in our local churches as well. So be sure to check out the show notes for links to their ministry and how you can contact them. Well, my guests today are Debbie and Keith Myers, who serve in central Mexico. They partner with the Council of Rural Indigenous Evangelicals in Mexico to provide pastoral accompaniment to the indigenous churches. This consists of training pastors, church leaders, youth leaders, and teachers for the children. Debbie and Keith serve in four states in Mexico and work with 34 churches within these states to empower the people. I'm so glad to have on the podcast today, specifically Keith Myers. And um, many of you know Keith. He's been in the region before. Keith and Debbie have both been in the region visiting our churches, so it's good to catch up with you. How are you doing today, Keith? Doing really well. Uh, it, it, God is good. I know that much. And uh, so just just excited. Anytime get the opportunity to just share about what what God's doing in Mexico uh, and, and that we get to be part of that. We're, we're, we're excited to share about that. That's for sure. Well, very good. I'm glad to see you again and to have this conversation. Um, as our listeners know, we're going to ask five simple questions and learn more about who you are and where you see God moving in your community. So let's just start with uh, some background information. Who are Keith and Debbie Myers, and um, where did you come from? Yeah, so we are, uh, we're, of course, global service with international ministries, and um, <clears throat> we're, we're both from West Virginia. Okay. Uh, I, I grew up in a, in a city called Fairmont, just a small town actually outside of Fairmont called uh, Worthington, a town of about 200 people, and uh, Deb's from a, a little community called uh, Jane Lou, and uh, uh, probably, I don't know, we, we grew up far enough away from each other, but we ended up attending the same college and, and we met, uh, sort of through college. Uh, and, um, so yeah, um, what, I'm sorry, what no, was the good. rest of the, yeah. yeah. So sorry just, about um, that. you grew up in West Virginia, this sort of thing. Did you attend church much as a kid? Did you go to camps, these sort of things, or was this kind of a later in life come to Christ situation? Okay. Yeah. So f- for me, I, I wasn't raised a Christian. Uh, in a Christian home, uh, I grew up in a, in a, a Catholic school, uh, private Catholic school from kindergarten through seventh grade, uh, attended there. Um, didn't really know much about a relationship with Christ, um, other than, um, you know, who Christ was, um, but never was really called into a personal relationship, uh, with him. Uh, my neighbor, uh, Tim, he uh, had invited me one time to go to a, a lock-in. Uh, he attended a small Baptist church and, um, he asked me to go to lock-in and, uh, went there. I was probably at that time about 10, 11, maybe 12 years old, mm-hmm. um, 
and got connected with that church um, after attended the lock-in and uh, really when, when I went to the church uh, and so much just enjoyed the pastor uh, because of the way he preached the word, uh, it was this, this uh, through storytelling and it, and it really just connected in a way that, that made the word come alive yeah. and, and made Christ real to me. Uh, and so it wasn't very long after attending that church that I, that I realized that, um, you know, there was something missing, missing in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, my coming to Christ moment didn't happen at a church though. Okay. Uh, it happened alone one night, uh, as I was, uh, uh laying in my, in my bed as a, as a young teen, um, <clears throat> I was watching a, a TV show. Uh, it was called the power team. They were the power team and they were the, the, the muscle guys that, uh, Oh yeah. I remember those guys like rip yeah. the books with their hands. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. They, they ripped the books. They take the baseball bats, hit them across the chest, you know, all of yeah. that. And, and, uh, all in the name of, you know, sharing the gospel, uh, interesting way to do it, but, yeah. but it hit home with me. Those were so yeah. popular when I was in high school. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. They uh, and they would go around to different places and stuff, but I just happened to catch it on on the TV. And the message they had um, was about this personal relationship with Christ. Yeah. And again, I knew of Christ, but I didn't understand to walk in that relationship with Him. And and uh, the the way that God ordained it was just that there was there was a I had a a Bible that was uh, on, on my dresser. Uh, I grabbed the Bible, opened it up, and it happened to be, uh, I turned it to the page of the crucifixion. Uh, and, and there was a, there. when I say I turned to the page, there was a picture. It had pictures in the Bible, in it. And um, there was a picture of Christ on the cross. And it was then uh, that I accepted Christ as my Savior. Um, and it, it was that night. But I wasn't really active in church. So I didn't know who to tell. I didn't even know what had taken place, to be honest with you, and just continued within within life. But uh, in in the process of that, I did start attending that that Baptist church that I had mentioned earlier. Um, and, and, and from there, uh, became connected and really just with, with that pastor, uh, pastor Charlie chips and, and, um, uh, just a great mentor, um, someone that, you know, I, I learned so, so much from, um, in, in, in not just the word, but how to make the word alive, um, rather than just being a text, um, but how God would speak would speak to us through the Word, and that is yeah. so instrumental in what we even do today. Um, that 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 foundational stuff that He really uh, put put into us. And so, as uh, I grew up in that church from about thirteen on, um, met my uh, uh, met Deb uh, in college. Uh, that was a church that we started to to attend. Uh, Really played church though. It was one lifestyle during the week as a college student, and it was another thing on the weekends. Um, and uh, through through all of that, we you know just to fast forward, we uh, we got married. Uh, that this is the same pastor that performed our wedding, uh, Pastor Charlie, and um, uh, we took a class called Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby yep. uh, that our pastor had introduced us to. And it was really a game changer for us. Um, this was several years into our marriage, um, probably about three years into our marriage. 
that we started taking this class. Mm-hmm. And uh, it came to this point in the book with this crisis of beliefs, belief that Blackaby talked about. And it was this idea, either get all on with God or just get out. You know, you're going to be miserable if if not. Right. Um, and at that point, Deb uh, was pregnant with our, our son, Boyden, our firstborn. And um, we just made a decision at that point that we didn't want to be one way through the week and then another thing on Sunday and have to yeah. play this this game. Um, and and so we went all in with the Lord, um, and 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 through that uh, ended up working with the youth at our church, developing sermons and and working again with Charlie working with me on how to make ser- you know to to prepare sermons and all yeah. of that, and um, that was the the. the our the the infancy or the birth of us getting into to, to ministry, which uh, eventually led to uh, me becoming a pastor. Um, and um, you know, Deb and I, in in all of our marriage from from day one, uh, we've not always been um, in the same. Or I mean, we've always um, we've not always been on the same page, um, but we've always been in the same chapter of the same book. <laughs> and you know, that's how I would explain our marriage, yeah. uh, that, that God has just really spoken to us and revealed things to us uh, throughout our entire marriage that neither one of us has been real far ahead of the other within our spiritual growth. Uh, and, and, and we've done that, done that and experienced that together. Very cool. So um, you became a, a local church pastor for a while. And um, so so tell us about that transition from we're moving from from pastoring local churches to to this decision to become global servants with IM. Sure. Yeah. We, um, I was bivocational, so I was a school teacher also. Okay. Um, I, I taught uh, uh, elementary school with kids with disabilities, um, and 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 had a passion for both of those uh, in 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 working with with uh, my boys there in in, in autism because uh, that's mainly where I where I where I focused in. Um, but during that time, as a uh, a, a young pastor, um, our association. Uh, of an American Baptist Association, uh, they wanted to start doing local mission trips. Uh, and we were involved with uh, the the association and decided that we would go on board with doing these local mission trips. At that time, our kids were in diapers. Uh, and we went on our first, lo- when I say local, it was within the States. Um, it wasn't cross-cultural missions. Uh, it was backdoor missions. Uh, we went to Washington, D.C. and worked in a church for a week. And, and um, each year we started doing these mission trips. Um, and, and it was like one of those things where you know, when you go on vacation and you go somewhere and, and you're like, you come back and you're like, oh, I'd like to live where I just was. And you think yeah. about it for a few weeks and then life happens and you get right. back into your life and you just kind of forget about that until it's time for vacation next year. It was like that, except we could never shake it. Um, this idea of, of missions uh, got involved with the uh, a, a group, the West Virginia American Baptist Disaster Relief Team. Uh, did a lot of stuff with Katrina and when they had the hurricanes and and a lot a lot of local flooding stuff and we we would help a lot with that um, and and our kids were alongside of us with with all of this and so as God was developing this call in us um, it it became not just me and my wife that He was calling but it it started to develop in this way that He was calling me and and Deb and our son and our daughter and we were all involved in this together. Um, and so how did that get from 
you know, being local missions to cross-cultural missions, uh, it, Deb and I began a conversation about what would what would it look like if we did cross-cultural missions. Um, back in 2008, we attended a, a missions camp um, and uh, called Camp Global. And at that, we met uh, several people from international ministries. And one of the couples that we met was Mario and Iris Morales. Oh. Um, and um, they, Iris was the type of person would just kind of like blunt and just tell you like it was. And we were like, you know, we don't know what it would be like to be in a foreign country. We don't know what it would be like to do this travel. And she's like, well, come to Bolivia. That's where I am. And uh, so that was in August. Uh, in in uh, February, Deb and I got on a plane uh, and we went to Bolivia and uh, we got to see the ministry there at the House of Hope uh, in uh, that they had uh, uh, were instrumental in and starting. And uh, we came back home. Uh, we talked to the kids a little bit about it. And uh, at that point, our kids were uh, nine, 10 years old. Um, and uh, we told him this is something that we sort of sense God calling us into. Um, but we also understood that uh, our call didn't necessarily have to be be their call. Um, and so we talked to them about the idea of doing cross-cultural missions. And they said, well, if we're going to talk about this, we got to go and see what it's like too. Um, and so it was about a year later and we went to back to Bolivia uh, as a family, uh, we spent uh, three weeks there uh, doing doing different various things within the, the, the ministry with the House of Hope. And um, our daughter at the time, she didn't want to leave. Uh, she was like, no, this is where I want to stay. And she fell in love with the ministry there. She fell in love with the people there. Uh, of course, we came back. A uh, couple weeks later, our son comes out of the bathroom one day and he's just in tears crying. And he's like, uh, yeah, I'm like, what is wrong, son? You know, he just kind of falls in my arms and, and just crying. And, and that's not our son. Our son's real like he's not emotional in that way. But uh, he said that he missed ministering to the people of Bolivia uh, and, and God was working on his heart in that way. Uh, and, and so we began talks with international ministries and, and um, uh, began exploring what that might look like uh, for us. Uh, we, um, to make a long story short, uh, there was, we were given about eight countries to choose from mm -hmm. uh, when we began this process. And interestingly enough, the first country that we eliminated was Mexico. Uh, <laughs> that was, we, we saw that there were a lot, you know, that's just how God works. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we saw that there were a lot of missionaries with IM that were already there. We didn't realize that most of them were on the border, that there weren't many that were in, in southern Mexico. And uh, for, for various other reasons, we eliminated Mexico. We narrowed it down to Nicaragua, Cambodia, and Croatia. Uh, we sent back information to each one of the uh, uh, area directors uh, for those zones. And at that time, Jose Narat was the our area director. And he sent back information on Nicaragua, but he didn't know we had ruled out uh, Mexico. And so he sent back information on Mexico. Uh, and that's where we found CSEM. Um, and, and we fell in love with the idea of CSEM. Deb and I, both our hearts are with this, uh, with the small local congregations. Uh, it's, it's where our hearts, it's where I grew up. It's where she grew up. It's, it's what, um, what we know where our heart is, our, our passion is, yeah. uh, it is within that. And CSEM is made up of these small rural churches. We're from Appalachia. Uh, and so we, um, 
CSEM, the rural churches there, the indigenous churches, they're almost like, it was like we were the Appalachians sent of the U.S. sent to the yeah. Appalachians of, of Mexico. Okay. Uh, and so there was a lot of connection within that. Um, and, and so we, uh, we did a three week Daniel fast as a family, okay. um, to kind of see where God was directing us as a family. Uh, after those three weeks, we came back together. Uh, we each wrote down on a piece of paper and put it in the center of the table table where we felt God was directing us. And, um, uh, I opened up the first one and it said Mexico. The second one said Mexico. The third one said Mexico and the fourth one said Mexico. And so cool. we felt like we need to go check out Mexico. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, we, we got in contact with, uh, Jose and, and, and said, you know, we'd, we'd like to go and, and see the ministry of CSEM. And, and that's how we got plugged into CSEM and just this, this gradual call. It wasn't like one of these things as a little kid, you know, like I want to grow up and be a missionary or, or yeah. even as a, a, a young man, you know, it was, yeah. it was just this gradual call that God began placing in not just my heart, but in Deb's heart and in the kid's heart as well. Yeah. Um, and so we we were really bummed when our kids went off to college because we lost like 50% of our ministry team. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not a lot. We didn't realize how much of a load they were carrying for yeah. us. Yeah. Yeah. Until they were gone. So <laughs> I like that because you know it's 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 a family discernment and, and you decided to to do this as a family. What what year did you guys move to Mexico? Do you remember? Yeah, it was uh 2000 uh, 13, 2014. Okay. Yeah. yeah we've been so. with IM now for, for 10 years. And then we were in Costa Rica for a year. Okay. Uh, language school. Okay. So, you know, you guys decided that they were um, early teens and they were part of your ministry team. And it's, it's just good for people to hear that. I think um, as a family ministers in this context together that, that, um, the kids are, are just as much a part of it. It's, it's not that they're separate or other, you know, they're, they're super involved. We were talking to, um, the goods a few weeks ago, um, on, a, on another episode of this. And so you can go back and, and check that out, but they're same thing. They're, their kids are super involved in, in their ministry there in Hungary. So that's, that's very cool. Um, so tell us about what, kind of ministry you're doing there in Mexico. You've kind of alluded to it with the rural churches and CSIM and, and these sort of things, but just uh, kind of fill in some, some of those gaps. What What is what is the kind of ministry that you're doing basically day to day? Sure. Um, well, it, it, we're in like, I, I call it, we're headed into the third phase okay. of our ministry. Uh, the first phase of ministry, because we're, we're on our, our uh, home assignment right now. Okay. Uh, and uh, our one-year home assignment, and so we're headed into our 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 third term uh, coming this this following May. We'll head back. Um, so there have been this waves of kind of just like looking back and identifying how God's been working in 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 us and 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 in CSEM and how we get to be to be uh, a part of that. Uh, so CSEM was started um, from the Baptist Seminary out of Mexico City uh, about thirty-four years ago. Uh, there was a need for indigenous folks to uh, be trained 
Uh, and the reason that uh, uh, they, they can't come into like the city or anything like that for training or anything of that nature, my education levels are probably around a third or a fourth grade level. So the seminary um, uh, took the the the, uh, the trainings and put it down to their level to where uh, it, it could be something that they were uh, equipping the pastors with in their ministry context. Um, and, and they saw the seminary saw this need uh, and. Um, CSUM was birthed from that, from this vision of leaders within the, from, from the, the Baptist seminary. Okay. When it comes to indigenous Mexicans, um, the, socioeconomic wise, uh, they're the lowest of low within the socioeconomics of Mexico. Uh, and, and so they're uh, a class that um, the seminary real felt God was, was um, uh, wanting them to reach out to. Um, and so what they've invited us to do is to come alongside of, of the leaders there, uh, the teachers, uh, the women's ministries, uh, to come alongside of them and uh, do leadership development. Uh, CSEM exists primarily for five purposes. Uh, one is for pastoral leadership development. The other is women's ministries, children's ministries, youth ministries, mm -hmm. and, and teaching ministries uh, for our teachers. Uh, Deb and I, we we feel called within, within that context uh, because it is 35 churches. It is four states. It's a very large territory. Uh, we focus in on uh, our leadership development of our pastors and of our women's ministries. Uh, and so those are the two places. We we dabble in the other, other stuff, but we have other parts of uh, leadership within CSEM that uh, work in those those um, uh, other areas. Uh, but when I say three phases, the first phase that we came into when we got to Mexico, uh, we sat down with uh, a pastor by the name of Pastor Jose. He's a pastor in Songosotla, Mexico, in the mountains of northern, northern Puebla. And we asked him, and we had just gotten there, and we asked him um, and the deacon board, uh, what, what do you want from us? Uh, and, and I'm a type A personality. And so I've got my, my notebook out, you know, yeah. I'm ready to write down. I want to make a plan. I'm ready to get started and jump into this. And pastor Jose said something that really just began this first phase of our ministry and, um, uh, really just, um, changed even our missiology. Um, because what he said was, were two simple words. He said, show up. Um, and, and basically what he was saying is to show up, show us you care, uh, show up, show us what your motives are, show us what your intents are, show mm -hmm. us these things. And, and so really, to be honest, I mean, those first three years there, that's kind of what Deb and I did is we just showed up, yeah. um, shared a lot of meals across tables, uh, laughed and, 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 you know, struggled in our Spanish. And, uh, because CSEM, I forgot to mention that, that CSEM's not, most people, when you think of Mexico, you think, uh, that just Mexicans just speak Spanish, but in reality, there's 60 plus languages that exist throughout Mexico. Wow. Uh, so we work with six of those languages, uh, Totonaco, Ingiva, Soltzil, Seipal, Masawa, and, uh, Nagua. Uh, and and so those are the six cultures and the languages that we we work within. And so we had to spend those three years just showing up just yeah. so we could just absorb, you know, what God's doing and, and what these cultures are like and and wow. not to impose our culture there, but to to learn of their culture and, and, and to see how God's working within that. And so so Deb and I spent those first three years in that ministry of presence is what we called it, mm -hmm. uh, of just being present with people and showing people of their value, their worth, how much we care, what our motives were, that that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. 
So after those three years, we came on home assignment and, and we knew we just couldn't continue a ministry of just showing up and just sure. winging it. You know? right, uh, right, right. But now that we got our feet wet and, and, and we, we, we built relationships with leaders and, and folks within the church and the community, we knew that there had to be a next step to the ministry. And what the second phase of our ministry became is it became the lens of viewing everything through the lens and the focus of relationships. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we called it the ministry of influence. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, the four relationships that were established in the garden are the same four relationships we still function within today, that relationship between us and God us and ourselves, uh, us and other people, and then us in creation. Uh, And so we developed an actual program that was, it was a four-week study um, that was based off the stewardship of relationships. Uh, And having 35 churches, it takes you a long time to do a four-week study in each of those churches. Um, And so it was a few years before we got all of those, um, all of that. But in the meantime, we did other things, but that was our primary focus was that idea of of um, uh, the idea of relationships. So after we showed up in that first time, then we were able to take and build those relationships. And it was just this process of where, where Jesus said to go, and as you go, make disciples. It was this process of the ministry of presence, the ministry of influence. Um, and it was, it, those types of ministry are sometimes like watching paint dry. Yeah. Um, as they're not real exciting, you know, you're just, you're just showing up and, and, and you're just engaging with people and, and loving on people. Um, and there were a lot of things that, that, that came out of that in our relationships, the ministry of presence permitted us to come into the ministry of influence. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't until we established what our motives were that allowed mm-hmm. us to really come into a place to where we could teach and, um, uh, come alongside of our brothers and sisters there uh, with that. And and the cool thing about it too is because we have those relationships, we understand each other's humor. Because um, at first, like right. I, you know, my my humor sometimes is like hard to understand from people <laughs> from the U.S. You know, but sure. it, it, then trying to translate that, I, I knew that my Spanish was getting to another level when I could start to tell jokes uh, <laughs> in Spanish. Um, yeah. and, and and so. So yeah, so we built that that those relationships. That was the second phase, um, and and we 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 came up with the 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 tag of the the last you know eight nine years of being in Mexico is that we grow in the uncomfortable, mm-hmm. uh, and, and we look at all the places that we've been able to grow within ministry, and it's always been when we've been uncomfortable. Yeah, uh, and, and nine years of ministry there, we have very I mean a, a, a plethora of stories that are growing in the uncomfortable. Um, and then we get to look back and to see the hand of God. We have that faith to believe that he's there with us. Um, but it's, it's really cool to be able to look back and to see, um, you know, how God's moved, uh, and and that he's faithful and just to continue to move that way. And it continues to go forward. Uh, and so going forward, our third phase that we're, uh, kind of naming this next, um, uh, phase that we're coming into this next assignment, uh, is the ministry of empowerment. Um, it's this idea of equipping our leaders, our, uh, I, uh, our teachers, uh, identifying men and women who are called, um, uh, as missionaries who are called as, uh, uh pastors and leaders. Uh, and then empowering them within that. Uh, we've started a little bit of that with our uh, 
our, our board of directors is made up of one representative from each of our six zones. Okay. Plus, then we have a woman representative who serves on that on the board as well, and she's a representative for the entire uh, uh, women's ministries within CSEM. Uh, her name's Ab or not Abdiana, um, uh, Mariana, and. Um, Mariana, this last, uh, at the beginning of this year, she was able to come and to uh, go with us uh, into our communities. We went to uh, several different communities and spent several weeks in these communities. Yeah. She was able to connect with the people. And it's this idea of taking, empowering her now as a leader. Um, and because of her influence and people seeing her, uh, we just had uh, last month, we had our national convention. It's usually a, a, a every two years we have or every three years we have this, but we haven't had it for five years because of COVID. Right. Uh, but we have this convention and we have never had a woman to be the president of the board of directors of CSEM. And um, I, or, uh, uh, Mariana was three votes shy uh. of being the president of the board of directors. And we were, we were just, we were pulling forward to, uh, to, to, to this, but that's a huge thing in saying that when you look back over the years yeah. that this, this, um, that this vote possibly in the past would have been maybe one or two votes, right. um, for, for, um, uh, Mariana. Uh, but because she's been able to go out and to connect with folks and people see her heart and her passion, uh, and her influence, um, it, 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 it really was, it, it's a shift, uh, that we've been able to see within cool. uh, the communities there. Well, very good, man. That's so much. And so we know what's happening. We kind of know what's happening next. You're going to kind of head back. Um, how can we as American Baptist churches in Nebraska partner with you? What are some of the ways that we can support your, your mission with CSIM? Yeah. You know, the, the obvious answer always is prayer. I yeah. mean, that's, that's, that should be our, always our go-to. Um, but I'm, I'm very um, adamant about that hmm. uh, in, you know, we, we can't always, be um in your backyard right. uh, you can't always be in our backyard in in mexico however you are invited uh we do accept teams so this is a a, a plug yeah, you know, yeah so, no, absolutely uh, to just come and see what's going on get in touch with yeah. me um you know we can we can work something out there but i, I really want to go back to the the idea of prayer and how we we pray for one another because it's it's the 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 idea that there's that blanket prayer that we can throw over just bless this person or bless bless that person. But one of the things that we see when we go into our churches on home assignment, we see it in Nebraska, we see it in Ohio, we see it in West Virginia, we see it in Pennsylvania, we see it in all of our our churches when the pastors um, have invested into their people, and when it comes time to ask for prayers. And these pastors that we've seen, because we're in a lot of different churches, we're on, we're on home assignment. Sure. But to see the heart of a pastor uh, when he or she is standing up there and they're speaking out and 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 uh, they're saying, OK, we're going to pray for for Tom and his family. And Tom hasn't even asked for prayer. But but, um, you know, that pastor's been there that week with Tom and his family. Yeah. And to, to see that that's because of relationship. Mm -hmm. Um and, and and so knowing each other more intimately in that way um, uh, lets us pray more honestly for one another. Uh, and, and so the way that I think that we can connect better is is understanding um, one another better. And and so the way that we would understand one another better is um, 
we've got a, a newsletter that we send out about every six weeks um, that, that people can connect to. Uh, you send us our email address and then you get that. But we don't just leave it at that because we ask too that if you have prayer concerns in a way that we can pray for you, that you send those back to that same that same email address that you yeah. that you have. Um, and then we have a team of folks, uh, our, our missionary partnership team, uh, that we do our best to take and to pray for those those individuals. Um, and, and I think that helps us to get to know one another better because we know specific things about one another um, to, uh, to, to, to pray for. Uh, so I think prayer is the, the key. Uh, it's, it's the number one way. Um, you know, it's, it's always tricky to say, how can we help? Um, yeah. Because, um, you know, if we are in your area or when there, we love to talk about this idea of relationship yeah. um, and these four relationships and how we view, because they go so much deeper than just the four relationships. But, you know, when, when Christ gave us, you know, the, the greatest command to love God, mm-hmm. um, he, that second part of the command actually has two parts to it that we, 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 we sometimes miss because it says to love your neighbor, but you, how do you love your neighbor? You love your neighbor as you love yourself. Right. Um, and, and that's not an arrogant way of loving ourselves to be about me. Cause we know it's not, it's not just about us, right. but in order we've been given stewardship over our bodies, our minds, our souls, you know, our spirit life. Um, and, and so to care for that. Uh, and so in any opportunity that we would have to share that kind of message, um, I, I just don't know how it would, um, um, how it would work other than the fact that we do all of our devotional stuff that we do sure. and all that's in Spanish. Um, yeah. We could change it, I guess, to English. No. Well, uh, I, I think one of the ways that I think this is, this is a great kind of point of segue is that, that we do support you through, through prayer. We support you financially by, by giving to, you know, the, the offerings for, for I am um, they can designate offerings specifically for, for Keith and uh, Debbie. Um, and so those are options for our churches. And so everybody hear that you can support. I am generally, you can support missionaries specifically uh, in their various works. But I think that what we can learn from you is a, you're just heart for people and your heart for Jesus. You know, I mean, those are obviously radiating out of you as, as you're sharing this story about how you partner with others. And I love this idea of, of ministry of presence, ministry of influence, ministry of empowerment, and, and reminding people that their four primary relationships are with God and with self, with others and with creation. Um, I think you were probably the first person I learned the four from when you were here, probably 2013, 14, something like that about God, self, others and creation. And, and just recognizing that in scripture and like, these are the four primary relationships. So I, I think we could do something fun where, you know, if we brought you in for to the region and did like a workshop, you know, and you could kind of explain how this works for you. Um, and to remind churches that even in your space, even if you don't think it's necessarily terribly cross-cultural, um, there, there is there are gaps between you and the people you want to minister to uh, for whatever reason, whether it's age or generational stuff or just station of life stuff or sure. whatever. There's always something kind of cross-cultural happening, even in our smallest towns where we can minister to one another um, differently. And so I think this idea of presence, influence, empowerment is just really, really good. And um, I think this is the type of thing that we can learn from. Uh, just if nothing else, we can capture your heart for mission and ministry. And so sure. I thank you so much for, for sharing that with us. 
Um, what are some of the ways that people could get a hold of you? We have your obviously your your bio at the IM website. There's Global Servants, and I think y'all are in the middle column there. That's Alpha by last name. So look mm-hmm. up uh, Keith and Debbie Myers there. But what are some other ways? How can they get connected to this newsletter and those sort of things? Yeah. So if you want to get connect, want, want the um, uh, newsletter, it is uh, Keith dot Myers at international ministries.org. Okay. Uh, you can shoot me an email and uh, I'll get it on to the, the, uh, the, the list uh, that goes out. We, we try to send it out about every six weeks to, to be honest, when we're in the field, we're a lot more uh, diligent about getting our, our newsletters out. We're a lot more diligent about updating our Facebook page. It's um, it's not really what we do while we're here on home assignment. Isn't really as exciting as like when right. we're in the field with our, our brothers and sisters. I mean, we're here in the field with our brothers and sisters on home assignment, of course, right. um, but it's visiting churches. And yeah. uh, you know, so uh, to put an update on Facebook every week while well, we were at this church or we at this church, right. it's kind of the, the same thing. But when you get sure. to when you're in the field and you're showing ministry and, and all that, yeah. uh, we update that about twice a month. Um, and so we also have a Facebook page. It's Myers's Missions in Mexico. Uh, you can go and like that page. And again, usually we update it when we're in the field about twice a month. Newsletter comes out about every six weeks. Um, and um, yeah, so those are those are the easiest ways to get to get in touch with us uh, and to connect with the the, the ministry yeah. in that way. Perfect. And then um, as you're available of, of sorts here in the United States, I, I know you have a very full schedule. Um, would would churches be able to contact you to maybe come visit the Nebraska area and sometime before you go back in next spring? Yeah, I mean, we're um, uh, probably the, the best time for us to do that would be next spring. Okay. Um, May 1st is when we go back. Um, but we would uh, definitely entertain the idea of coming out and 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 and, and seeing uh, folks there in Nebraska. Um, that was uh, something. The last home assignment uh, I got the opportunity to do. Deb didn't get to come yeah. with me for various reasons, and and um, so so I'd like to get Deb out there yeah. as well um, to, to, to meet folks. So, but yeah, spring is, is something we could probably work around within our, within our schedule. Um, right now, uh, our Sundays are jam packed, uh, and and we're, we're glad of that. Um, but it it is a home assignment, the animal that it is sometimes of, you you know, churches want you to come on Sunday and there's only so many Sundays, uh, that you have. And those, those, those prime Sundays fill up fast, but we definitely want to encourage people to, to even maybe consider doing like, uh, uh, a Tuesday night dinner or something like that, just to, um, uh, and really when we come to, um, uh, away from where like home base is and we're out into regions and stuff, um, for us, that just works better. If we can do something on like a, a Saturday night, a, a, a Sunday morning, morning, right. a Sunday night, a, a Monday night, mm-hmm. and, and, and pack it in within those four or five days um, rather than, because if we only do Sundays, you know, there's only two churches yeah. in two yeah. weeks, you know, so. Yeah, um, absolutely. Well, we will certainly uh, follow up on this opportunity. Churches, if you're listening, then um, be prepared in 2023 to see if we can't get some dates here with the Myers and uh, introduce some of these ideas of, of ministry of presence, influence and empowerment, or just learn more about what they're doing with CSIM and those sort of things. So, well, thank you, Keith, for taking the time. Tell Debbie we said hello and uh, tell your kids wherever they are and doing college and life. Uh, we said hi as well. 
appreciate that. Thank you so much. All right. Well, thanks for being here. Thank you for listening to Mission in 5, the podcast. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you will be notified every time we produce a new episode, introducing you to another ministry practitioner or missionary engaging in God's mission in their unique context, whether it be in Nebraska, around the country, or somewhere else in the world. If you like the guests and the content, take a moment to rate and review the podcast on your favorite streaming platform and share it with your friends and family on your larger social media networks. Check out the show notes for links and contact information to every single one of our guests and some current events and other links to news articles and things that might impact their mission and ministry. Send us ideas on who you'd like us to interview for future episodes and feel free to support us by giving through PayPal on our abcnebraska.com website. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day.